We choose to give our worship and our praise and our adoration to our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords. So, Father God, we pray, have your way this morning. Have your way this day. Have your way in Spruce Grove. Have your way in this nation. Have your way in the nations, Father God. We choose to honor you and to say that you are good, that you are amazing. We choose to worship you. So let's rise to our feet and let's worship the King. Jesus. You know, I feel there's still a window available to us. Just going to take another couple minutes here. I was thinking of Zacchaeus. And I was thinking there was a moment where he chose to push past all the things, the distractions, the things that were in his way because he wanted a better look. There was a window of opportunity at that moment in his life, in his journey. I don't know if he knew it was planned two hours before that, three hours, but in that moment there was an opportunity. And he found his way to the very front. In fact, he climbed up a tree so he could have a visual of the Messiah. I feel that window is here. And I feel the Lord is saying, what will we do to be in the presence of the Messiah? Zacchaeus was able to get a dinner and spend that moment with Jesus. Let's just take this minute. Take this minute. Get past whatever it is that's in the way. Let's spend this next minute doing whatever we can to get to the Messiah. Jesus. This is a chance we have to just, uh, Chris called it this morning, he called it be in close proximity to the Lord. You know, Zacchaeus had heard about Jesus. He knew lots about Jesus. But he didn't know Jesus until Jesus came right into his home and they spent time together face to face, having a meal together. And after that, he was changed. And he was changed because he actually got to spend time with Jesus. And if you ever wonder why we spend so much time at the beginning of a service or at any point, prayer, whatever it is, spend so much time pressing in in worship, it's because we want to be in proximity to him. We want to know him. We don't just want to hear about him. We don't just want to know about him. We want to know him to know him like Zacchaeus got to know him and came out completely changed. So the opportunities are endless. We know this. It's us pushing past, persevering, getting past those things that get in the way, the mindsets, the thoughts. Sometimes the unbelief that he is really there. But he is here at this very moment in our midst. And so Jesus, we say we honor you. We honor you. We love you. We worship you. We will do whatever it takes to have those moments with you. We cry out for those moments to be with the Messiah. 
What other moment would we want? What would be what would we be willing to do to have one more? Jesus, we love you. Can we just say amen to that? We just love you, Lord. Amen. We love you. We love you. Yeah, hallelujah, Lord. So much to say, but I think I'll wait till after Cam talks. God is so good. Amen? Amen. Uh, So let's welcome Cam. Before we do anything, we're going to take the first minute and we're going to honor the Lord. And what that means and what that looks like is look at your posture, look at your words, be prepared to change location, change position, raise your hands, kneel, whatever it is, but for one minute, I'm going to put a timer on and we are going to honor the Lord. All right? Okay, testimony first. Okay. So I was out of the country for two weeks, um, Nashville for the first five or six days. Pastor Mark went to Guatemala, came back to the U.S., and planned on pivoting in and out of the U.S., and then the U.S. just opened for him. And so I joined him for two weeks, uh, started in Nashville. Um, So Steve Bain and his family are in Nashville. They've been there. We sent them from this place. I don't know how many of you know them. They were elders here. Um, They're still highly regarded here, well-loved here. So we spent five or six days with them, the whole family, and the whole family is awesome, small to big. They're all awesome. They're all all in, open-hearted, seeking the Lord, serving the Lord. And they are walking a really interesting walk. I'm not going to tell their story or whatnot, but when God sets out to do something kingdom, he often does something unique. And it's because when there's a prevailing spirit, you have to come in the opposite spirit. Now, talking to Steve while we were there, Nashville is Music City, USA. I mean, if you're secular or not, going to Nashville is how you promote your music career. You go there to be seen. You go there to be discovered. You go there hoping to be seen and discovered, which I can't relate to at all. (laughs) And so there's this prevailing trying to climb the ladder type thing in the area there. And so the Lord has set up the Baines to go in in the opposite spirit where man is trying to promote self. The Lord has sent them in as about as low as I can think. And in the midst of that low, that hard place that they're occupying, God is doing amazing things giving them favor, connecting them to fathers of the city, fathers of the state. And when I say fathers, I mean fathers and mothers in the spirit, so it's gender neutral. So the reason that Mark was in Nashville is because Steve is connecting Mark to significant people in the area. One of the, um, is a prophet named Larry Randolph. Larry was one of the Kansas City prophets. Larry has been all over the earth, um, The Lord told Larry years before the Toronto outpouring that something is going to happen. And it's going to be big, but it is the dew before the rain. 
there is rain coming. We've been hearing about a wave. Toronto ain't nothing. So we get connected to Larry because something's converging. Larry Randolph, some 20 years ago, was in this house and teaching on the prophetic and imparting into who we are, gave this church some you know, real um, life-changing words. For me personally, uh, at that time, I'm this young prophetic guy, and I'm thinking that I'm all that and a bag of chips, and no, you can't have my chips. I thought I was going to be the next whatever. When, it, when these guys were here, I wanted to be in the room when someone was having special meetings. I wanted to be there. I thought I, I, thought I was worth being there. That door would not open. So when Larry was here, I wanted to be, and I don't know if you can relate to this, that thing when you know, something's happening and you're like, God, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me. Oh, I'm right here. Pick me, please pick me. That craving couldn't get an opening. So for me personally, while I'm in Nashville, we get connected to Larry Randolph, and this is one of the guys that I really wanted their time. But over 20 years since Mark's been here and, and has been teaching us about death to self, I've gone from trying to grab onto something to letting it go and dying. And so when we get the opportunity to sit down with Larry, I'm like, Lord, this is interesting because I don't need it now. I'm rightly aligned to family, to my father, to... This is just interesting, your timing, God. So on my birthday, we're going to Larry Randolph's house. And I'm just content to be in the room, right? I just, thank you, Lord, this is interesting. I don't need a prophetic word. I'm just interested in being there. So we're in the room, and Larry and Mark are engaging, and they're engaging at a pretty high level, and there's, there's some things that I won't talk about online. And it's just kind of eye-opening, jaw-dropping stuff, right? Where you're like, I don't even know how to process that. And at the end of the evening, you know, we spend three hours together, and I, I put my jaw up a few times. Huh? I'm trying not to look like an idiot, Cam. <laughs> at the end of the night, we pray for Larry. I mean, Larry's health has been uh, in a rough place for a few years, and so we're praying for Larry, and, you know, thank you, Lord, that we're able to do this, and, and I'm just appreciating the three hours there. We finish praying, and I'm thinking, okay, we're ready to leave. And then Larry stops. He goes... Cam, when you put your hands on me, there's something I know about you. And Carolyn Bain recorded the video for me, so I've got a copy now. So I've got this word from Larry Randolph that I couldn't get 20 years ago because of all of the scrabbling and whatever. But now, on my birthday, I'm in his house. I'm totally free, as far as I'm aware. And the Lord goes, happy birthday, Cam. That's just interesting. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else gets added. It's worth it. So a lot happens in two weeks. Uh, I'm going to skip over just some stuff. Uh, We go from there to Chicago. Now, Nashville, Tennessee, 
like politically and whatnot, they're slightly right of center, um, more Republican and whatnot. The atmosphere is feeling pretty good, right? You don't have that doom and gloom in the air, and, and you don't have the sense of, you know, be afraid of everything, and, and that's refreshing. And, and so, so you know, there are places in the world that are not feeling heavy and oppressed and shut down. COVID's there, people are wearing masks and so forth, but it's not the same all over the world. We went to Chicago next. Chicago, different state, different overall climate. Um, we were going to Pastor Jose Blanco's church. Mark's been there a number of times. Uh, Kim Wheeler originally connected them. And I kind of wonder, how the heck do you find a, a little Latino church in Chicago, and what are we doing here? And so, <laughs> Latino church is fun. I don't know if you've ever been to Latino church. Even intimate love songs are on double time on the drums, just so you know. <laughs> and so, you know, it's a bit of a culture shock, right? Because most of the worship, I, I don't speak Spanish. Every now and then you hear, you know, Dios, and you're like, I know that one. And so, you know, they go through worship, we're doing the service and whatnot, and then at the end of worship, Pastor Jose gets up. And worship's been great. And he starts to pray, and he's praying in Spanish, so I don't know what he's praying, so it's not like my mind can agree, but I can feel the room go, and start to pressurize, and it's like, what? Wow, where did that come from? And I look at Mark, and he's kind of like because he knows. And so, as I'm on this journey with Mark through these places, I'm, I'm taking note. Okay, God, what are you showing me? What's this about? Pastor Jose honors like no one I can think of. Um, pick us up every day, drive us everywhere, every meal at a restaurant he bought. Um, you know how Pastor Mark likes to shop, if you know him at all. Like, we go shopping because that's what Pastor Jose's buying. He's just totally honoring Pastor Mark. And I'm like, there's a connection here. Interesting. So we finish in Chicago, and then we go to Dallas, Texas. Now, Texas, obviously, is a different state. And let me tell you, the rumors that you hear about Texas being free, oh, it's in the air. You walk out of the airport and you're like, oh, wow. It's almost, a, I dare you. It's almost, I dare you, kind of free. And so there are cranes everywhere. They're under construction. Uh, the real estate market, um, houses don't stay on the market for more than a day or two. Multiple offers selling above price because 80,000 people a month are leaving places like California. Like 80,000 is people leaving California and going elsewhere. Tennessee, filling up. Texas, filling up. Because it's just the land of the free, where there's freedom, people migrate to. Where there's freedom, people... Now... In Texas, we're meeting with people. We're, we're not doing church services. We're sitting down for lunch. We're sitting down for dinner. We're meeting people. And the people that we're meeting, it's interesting to watch because, you know, I'm a little fish. I know that. 
I'm sitting at the table and I'm I'm listening. You don't talk and the level of engagement that's going on between the people that no, Mark and whoever is up here. Here's the kinds of things that are being talked about in these meetings. So nations when they come out from under economic oppression are going to need a new currency. How do you deploy a new currency into a country? What has to be in place? Technology, people, infrastructure, whatever. These are the things that these people are working on actively. That's kind of a big deal. And I'm thinking, (laughs) I'm worrying about next week's chores and... (laughs) Like, it, it's a whole nother level. These guys are behaving under the idea that the kingdom matters, and it's way bigger than they are. They're thinking, and here's just snapshots in some of the conversations. A hundred years from now, when I'm gone, what's going to be in place for, you know, grandchildren in this nation? Not my nation, but we've got to shift the nation. They need X, Y, Z to be happening. And these guys are working on that stuff, and they're thinking in those terms. And I'm going, Lord... And I'm going to veer for a second here. Di mentioned you know, the people who have passed this week. I won't tell you where in the journey that this came up. Heaven is not a place where you sit on clouds and strum harps and nothing is happening. Heaven is an active place. The things that you've been practicing here and working on here get deployed there. This life, this is probation. This is, you get to work it out at practice time. This is where you run the drills. So we are being challenged. The way we look at our lives and the world is being challenged. What really matters? What's really going on? Let's take it back to the Bible for a second. Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Come, let us make man in our image. Now be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth. That's the mandate on humanity. The flood happens. Noah and the family are in a boat. When they get off the boat, the Lord repeats, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth. God's intent, scripturally, is to make earth like heaven. Eden needs to be everywhere. The kingdom needs to be everywhere. Now that is the context of your life and your life and your life and your life. We're not here to get picket fences. We're not here to earn our million and put our feet up on a beach somewhere. That's not the point. God might add some of that stuff, but seek first the kingdom. And he's untangling the church's orientation on the church. It's kingdom first. And kingdom happens outside these walls. It happens in your home. It happens in your business. It happens in your school. It happens on your block. Kingdom is there. You need to be deployed in the sphere that God has given you. Prophecy works there. Prayer for healing and miracles works there, wherever the kingdom is. And so, if I was to sum up everything that was happening in this two weeks, it boils down to this question, who do you think you are? Now, the enemy says that to us all the time. Who do you think you are? Sit down. 
Your sound's not good enough. Your worship's not good enough. Your dance isn't good enough. Your speaking's not good enough. Your whatever it is, you're not good. Sit down. Shh. Who do you think you are? But Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Two words are going to stand out here. Heart. Nefesh in Hebrew. Most of the time it's translated soul. So this is about your soul. As you think in your soul, that's who you are. The other word in here that I want to dial in on is the word think. It's Hebrew shal. It means more like consider, evaluate, You're evaluating yourself against the market. The root words of it are about splitting open the gates, acting as a gatekeeper, deciding when will the gates open. What are the conditions that you will open the gates of your soul? Who do you think you are? If you believe that you are low, insignificant, you don't matter, You're waiting for the overall water level of what's happening and the importance and the significance to get down to, okay, that's me now. Now I will open my heart. I'll worship out loud when nobody's watching. But what if you're bigger than you think? I feel Holy Spirit starting to poke right now. He's starting to poke at this thing about, well, I'm not, and... Who's feeling the poke right now? Just because I'm curious. Okay, I'm seeing some hands. Now, when Holy Spirit pokes things, it's because he wants to do something about them. So get ready. Romans 12, 3, Paul speaking. By the grace of God given to me, I'm saying to you, let no one think more highly of themselves than is absolutely necessary, but be safety conscious considering yourself according to the measure of faith God has assigned to you. I've gone into the Greek and I've paraphrased down to what these words actually mean. So you're reading a version up there and I'm digging into some stuff. Don't think any higher of yourself than you absolutely have to. So you're not going to exceed your measure, but my experience with the church over 30 years is we don't have too many people that are God's really good at resisting the proud. What we have a lot of is people, I'm just a little fish. I don't do things. I don't talk. I don't pray. I don't. But here's where the point kicks in. But be safety conscious. This is the safe zone in the way to think. That's what this means. Consider yourself according to the measure of faith that God has assigned you. What does that mean? That means... If you are meant to be a school teacher and you have stopped at being a part-time tutor, you've come below the measure of faith. If you are meant to be a worship leader and you won't get out of your room, you've come below the measure of faith. If, well, let's use people we know. Tyson, Tyson goes after healing. I love Tyson. I love what he's chasing. If Tyson wasn't, 
pushing at the boundaries, he would be functioning less than what he is called to because the Lord has assigned a measure. We each have been assigned a portion of the kingdom that is our responsibility because we are all imagers of God. God will show up in us and through us into the area that we are assigned if we will let him. If we think that that's who we are and that's our mandate. So this trip for me is the expanding of what is possible, what should I be looking to increase, and if you're doing this with me, God, and I'm coming back here, this is now spreading into the body. I'm diluting the waters with this. We have already in this body national level intercessors, national and global leaders. We've got others that are rising from place to place. We are connected to provincial and federal leaders. We've got connections to big business. That's who's in the room right now. Who do you think you are? Now, there's this, I mentioned it here, the, the who do you think you are? There's this repression atmosphere to try and keep you contained. Stay down, stay low. Don't get too big for your britches. What if that was to come off? What would you be doing? So let's use, let's use Tureen and the community table. Hey, Tureen, did you really feel like this is the thing that you wanted to do? <laughs> for you online, you can't see her shaking her head. It wasn't like, it was like, <laughs> but God is deploying through Tureen and through the team to change the lives of people who are coming to get meals because they need them. And some of the stories that Tureen tells in the process of making food and giving it to people, the God stories that are coming up, prophetic words, like reading people's mail, like getting to the point where the Lord's going, okay, you need to stop, you're freaking them out. That's happening in the midst of feeding people. And then we're at prayer tonight, this came up. And I think I'll end with this. Consider the revivals in history around the world that you're aware of. You know, the Welsh Revival, Azusa Street, uh, the Airport Vineyard Church, Pensacola, Florida, whatever. Think of the revivals. Who was the super famous, charismatic, wealthy person that started each of those? You know how it happened? It happened with people like the Webbers, like my daughter Kathleen and her family. They just got a glimpse of God, and they're like, you know what? The creator of heaven and earth is listening to me when I pray. (sighs) What if I could start to change the earth? And they start to pray, and they start to worship. And it becomes more important than getting the picket fence, and more important than collecting the million dollars, and they're God, I've got to have more of you. I've had a glimpse and a taste, and it's great, but if there's more, I want more. And next thing you know, somebody hears about it, and they go, you know, that's resonating. And then they join in, and they get right alongside. And, and it's, the Welsh Revival began with little grannies. They got to praying, and they wouldn't stop. Like a dog on a bone, they're like, Ugh. 
God can change things. God can change things. God can change things. I'm not going to let him go until he does. That's how revivals are birthed. Any normal people in the room? Who do you think you are? What are you prepared to lay down? See, because here's the thing. Actually, we brought up Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, in his culture, would have been a rich, famous guy. Not widely liked because he's a tax man, but everybody knew Zacchaeus, wealthy. Zacchaeus humiliated himself to climb a tree, to get above the crowd, to yell his face off to get Jesus' attention. That's who Zacchaeus is. That's what he had to do. You know, the woman with the issue of blood, she should not have been in a crowd. She was unclean. She pushed through a crowd, breaking the law, because <gasps> she had to get to Jesus. We like the story of the paralytic whose four buddies lowered him through the roof. What does that mean? They tore somebody's roof off. How badly do you want to get to Jesus? And it's a question for me, too. I'm not, how badly do we want to get to Jesus? And it all hinges on what do we think is there if we do? How much unbelief is in us that goes, eh, well, maybe he won't answer prayer. Maybe it's not even worth it. Or do you think we're in a season of fasting and prayer right now? It's something I prophesied earlier this year is that we're in a season where a door of sacrifice is open, and that's a major route to get to the presence of God. We're fasting as a church and as a bunch around the world and whatnot. I believe that globally there's more prayer coming out of more people now than has ever been on the planet. COVID has made some stuff happen. COVID has woken some people up and provoked people to get going on some things. Yeah, we've had to change course and we've had to adjust to to different, but there's something that's happening in our hearts to go, who do you think you are? I think, I think that's it. What Cam is not talking about is a Greek word, fusio, which means puffed up, pride, arrogance, right? He's not talking about that. He's talking about this. We can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. And do we actually believe the scripture that says that? That's what we want to walk into when we actually believe that we can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. That's what we needed shifted in our minds, in our thinking, and how we function day to day is knowing that's who we serve. He changes all things. So I just want to touch on two things. You know, uh, Cam was talking a little bit at the beginning just about his encounter with Larry Randolph and, uh, and how he just did not have that moment with him. And I feel like the Lord just wants to touch on this one a little bit because it reminded me of a time that I went to a conference and uh, I wanted to go see Tommy Tenney, and we all are probably aware of Tommy Tenney and the God Chaser book that he wrote years ago. And I went to Minnesota to go and listen to Tommy Tenney. And when I got there, you know, he was speaking his message and all that, but all I could think about was the same thing. I want the anointing of Tommy Tenney. I want Tommy Tenney to pray for me. And so, of course, they had that altar call. And I remember I went running to the altar because Tommy Tenney was praying for everybody. And so Tommy Tenney is 
praying for hundreds of people, and he's going down the line, touching them like this, and people are getting slain in the spirit. People are being touched by God as he's going down this line. But as he's going down the line, all of a sudden he gets to the woman beside me, and he touches her, and she falls down into the spirit. He comes to pray for me, and he stops. He moves past me, and he literally starts praying for everybody else. In fact... All of a sudden, he goes down to the row I was sitting in beside two old ladies, and he prays for the two old ladies who get slain in the spirit in the seats that I was sitting in. I'll never forget that moment. I remember getting on my hands and my knees, and I heard the Lord say to to me loud and clear, you were seeking the hand of man today. And as a people, let me say this loud and clear, we are not meant to seek the hand of man. That's not what this is about. We're not seeking Larry Randolph. We're not seeking Mark. We're not seeking these people. But there is something they do carry because they are servants of the Lord, and we choose to learn from God's servants. Amen? So that's something we need to grab into our hearts, right? Because we do get caught in that. I've been to the conferences, and there are the conference junkies. They were literally there for the wrong motives. We do not want that. We need to be about the king, and that is it. Now, number two, what he's talking about, in order for us to get to this place, it's all about proximity, right? Jim shared it a little bit during worship. It is all about proximity to the Father. That's it. I shared in the morning service. I can tell you right now that this woman right here, Anna, makes the best cabbage rolls on this planet. Amen. Amen. She does. You cannot argue with me about this. I know it for a fact. Why? Because I've had her cabbage rolls. And this woman is one of the sweetest women I I know. Why do I know this? Because of proximity. I've been with her. I've talked with her. I've ate with her. Proximity changes everything. I know what to expect. She's even going to have a little bit of this Polish music, and she calls it the Polish Beatles. But it all comes down to this, proximity to the Father, proximity to the Father. Because it's one thing to say this, right? Yeah, I I want the nations to be changed. Don't you all? It's another thing to function in it. And so, again, we've talked about this in the past. Well, where's the button? (laughs) Right? Oh, now I can change the nations. I can walk into the hospitals and heal everybody. It's proximity. Proximity, 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 proximity. Let me read a scripture to you. Actually, let me read you two. I want to read this one to you. I read it on Wednesday night. It says this. It's Psalms 25.5. It says, lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of salvation. On you I will wait all day. And the, posh, the Passion Bible says this. I have wrapped my heart into yours. (laughs) You want to know how we get to this place. We intertwine our hearts with him. That's the key. We intertwine with the Father. Right? Now let me read you this because I think this is so powerful. It's out of Isaiah 30, verse 18. It says this, Therefore the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you, and therefore he will be exalted that he may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait on him. 
The Amplified actually says this, wait for him who expect and look and long for him. For the people shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem. You shall weep no more. He will be very gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer answer you. And though the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teachers will not be moved into a corner anymore, but your eyes shall see your teachers. I read through this. You know what this is talking about? Is you're going to understand the words of Isaiah. You're going to understand the words of the teachers that have gone before you. You're going to understand the words that are written in this Bible. In fact, it says this, Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn the right hand or whenever you turn to the left, you will also defile the covering of your images of silver, an ornament and the ornaments of your molded images of gold you will throw them away as an unclean thing. I think that's really powerful because I think I could ask all of you right now, how many of us have stuff? How many of us have those images that we actually bow down to? We, we can't get over certain addictions. We can't get over certain things that take more of our time and attention. I mean, this whole thing starts by waiting on the Lord. It's all about proximity. And then it says this. It says, you will say to them, get away. Because that is what will actually own your heart. Because of the proximity to the Father. Let's stand to our feet. Cam, thank you for sharing that testimony. And thank you for sharing what you're sharing. Because it really comes down to this again. Father God, will you help us? (laughs) to push past all those things that cause us to put a limit on how close we'll get to you. Something inside of our mind says we can only get so close. No, we can get closer. We can get closer and we can get closer and we can get closer. And as we get closer to the Father in our lives, we move from a place of hoping to a place of expecting. And this is what he wants us to move from, hoping to expecting. Why? Because we know him. We know his plans. We know what he wants. We will push the things of the world to the side, and we will honor him. So, Father, we say yes to you in Jesus' name right now. We say yes. Father, we say yes to your call. We say yes to actually looking at these things that sometimes own our life, and and we declare this, and I want you to declare this right now. Those things that have ownership over your hearts, I want you just to say it. Think of them right now and tell them, get out in Jesus' name. Get out in Jesus' name. As the word of God declares it, get out in Jesus' name. You have no more ownership over young men's minds. You have no more ownership over depression, anxiety, over fears, over stresses, over money, over all these things. Get out. You have no more ownership for these addictions that own us. Get out in Jesus' name. You do not own us in Jesus' name. Get out, get out, get out. And I'm going to tell you, the way that this stays is proximity to the king. So, Father, we say yes, we choose to fight for that proximity. We will draw closer and closer and closer to you. We will push against our mind, our soul, those things that come against us. We say yes and amen to him. Can we say amen? Amen.
This is a good word, you guys. We need to catch this, right? Because it is. It's the proximity to the Father, and this is the greatest attack of the enemy. You don't need to do it. Yes, you do. This is how everything shifts and changes and how we have authority over the nations. We do get to walk in this. The Word says so. He's just trying to get us to the place where we believe it. And that comes by being with him. Amen? Well, be blessed and encouraged. Be blessed, everybody, online. We pray God guide you and he's with you this whole week. And everybody else, just, just have a wonderful week. In Jesus' name, can we say amen? Amen. amen.